Welcome to the Badass Breastfeeding Podcast. I'm Diane, your lactation consultant. And I'm Abby, the Badass Breastfeeder. And today's episode is brought to you by Ruminant Nursing Wear's Pump and Nurse Collection. All-in-one products that you can both breastfeed as well as pump hands-free in. And we will hear more about the Pump and Nurse Collection later. But right now, Diane has our review of the week. I do. It comes from Starfisher143. And she says, oh, my galactagogs, which I love that. I think it's very cute. <laughs> you want to get your review read, put something fun like that in there. Right, honey. totally. This podcast has been a tremendous source of support and information in continuing a breastfeeding journey with my 16-month-old son. I wish I had listened early on to avoid some of the common pitfalls, thinking I had low milk supply, pumping at all hours of the night while still supplementing with an ounce of formula a day, Topping off with pumped milk, triple feeding, but I was determined to breastfeed. Thank you, Diane and Abby, for validating my heart to continue nursing my nursling, prepping mamas with resources, debunking breastfeeding myths, and being a life spring along so many beautiful breastfeeding journeys. Thank you for sticking with it. Wow. You know, what a beautiful writer. I know, she has. I know. She's like very talented with the words. That's so nice. I know, it all just flowed together. So thank you very much. Um, and I'm so glad that you did find us. And I love getting the reviews from the, I mean, I love all the reviews, but the mamas that have like babies that are over a year that are still nursing and they've, you know, still nursing because they found us. And I think that's amazing. So congratulations. That's a fantastic milestone. Um, yes. And if you would like to leave us a review, we would love to hear your thoughts. So you can do it on iTunes and, you know, check in, give us a review. Tell us what you like, what you want to hear about, and, you know, we'll get you on there. And what are we talking? Well, I always say that. I'm always like, what are we talking about today? Yes. I know exactly what we're talking about. I think I know. Well, today we're talking about something that you experienced just today. Oh, my God. Yes. You went to a seminar or something like that, and we're going to hear from you about what happened there because it's very applicable to everyone who's listening. Yes. Yes. So I'm going to talk about it from the start because it was really – it was – It was funny and entertaining at the same time. So now my son, um, one of my boys, is uh, a writer. He Well, both my boys like to write. But uh, my one son is a little poet. He's really, really good, actually. And um, he's taken a bunch of writing classes at this place that's near us um, that does a lot with, like, you know, just, like, enriching writers and stuff. So I get a lot of the emails from them. And I got an email saying that there was going to be an author – who was from our town that goes between our town and Washington, D.C. And he's a journalist, and but he's written a couple of books. And he was going to be doing a little presentation and a question-answer period on his new book called The Attachment Effect, exploring the powerful ways our earliest bond shapes our relationships and lives. So I see this come through and I'm like, oh, you know, because I am like, I love this stuff, the attachment piece. And right. how and we talk about this a lot on the podcast, you know, like how the the relationship we were just talking, I think, in, in last week's or a couple weeks ago, how the relationships, you know, it, this is the very first relationship that you have with your baby and how important that is. And, you know, like this is really foundation of your baby's life. So I was, you know, I was excited about it. It's at 1030 in the morning at this, you know, this place. Um, I'd never been to. So I figured, you know what? I didn't have any patients scheduled. I'll take the morning and go. I have a friend who's a therapist who works mostly with um, prenatal and postpartum. And she ended up meeting me there, too. We were going to meet there together. So 
I go there. It's 10.30 in the morning. I'm all excited. You know, I ordered my book online over the weekend. <laughs> so I have my book and, you know, like, so I, I get there. It was being held in a assisted living apartment building. Oh. So, which I was like, okay, this is, you know, okay. Maybe they just like rented space or whatever. Who knows, you know? So I go in and they direct me to the little auditorium and I go in there. Everybody's like 85 years old. And they got like their little walkers, you know, and they're just like, they're in there waiting for him to come in and do this talk. So I sit down and this guy is sitting in front of me. He's, I don't know. He made reference to his wife who was sitting next to him, who was, he said they'd been married for 60 years. Wow. So he looks at me because I'm, you know, the youngest person in here, except for the people that, you know, work at the book place. And he looks at me and he's like, oh, have you heard this speaker before? And I said, no, um, but I, I'm a, I work in maternal child health and, you know, I really like attachment and, you know, I wanted to come and hear him. He goes, what do you, where do you, what do you do? I, go, I work in maternal child health with moms and babies. I'm a lactation consultant. And he goes, oh, okay. We breastfed all our kids and all our grandchildren were breastfed. And I go, oh, that's great. And the woman, you know, his wife sitting next to him, she goes, except for Leonard. And he goes, yeah, <laughs> except for Leonard. <laughs> and I go, <laughs> he goes, Leonard was jaundiced. And his Billy Rubin was really high. And we were really worried and wasn't eating. And I called the doctor and he said, you know, give him this bottle. And it just, you know, went downhill from there. I go, how old is Leonard now? He goes, oh, he's in his 50s. I'm like, okay. Well, he goes, he was really yellow. I was really worried. And I'm like, well, you know, they still give that advice. I told him. Yeah, so, right. You know, so you're good to go. But these people were a riot. Like, I loved it. Now, yeah. And you could see how, how far back right. this stuff goes. Right. And like, I like, was they're still saying this stuff. Yep. Yeah. And I was at that point, I was by myself. And then my friend came in and I told her about that. And she goes, Oh my God. And of course she's, you know, ever the therapist. And she was like, how traumatic that must've been for him to bring that up after, you know, he remembered it that clearly 50 years ago with his yeah. kid. And I'm like, I know it's because you just like, this is stuff that doesn't go away. You know, like this is right. just stuff that doesn't go away. So out comes our speaker and it really, the attachment stuff is just, to me is fascinating. It's fascinating. You know, it really is like the bonds that you make early on really do set the foundation, like I was saying earlier. And he did. He talked about talked a lot about infancy um, and a lot about like different attachment styles and how the different attachment styles are formed in infancy, mm -hmm. depending on what your interactions and your bonds are with your caretakers absolutely it is amazing so one of the i'm going to read like a little something um from his book for most of us this early attachment experience occurs before our earliest memories usually before age two and he did mention that a lot like that everything was happening between the ages of birth and two and yet it has the power to affect relationships in Bowlby's words, and I'll talk more about Bowlby in a minute, from the cradle to the grave, 
This is because the attachment system, like the reproductive system, is a fundamental part of what it means to be human. It's the way nature engineered our survival. At birth, we seek out attachment to others who can reliably protect us and respond to our survival needs. In adulthood, we connect with a special few others whom we love and on whom we rely on for safety and security. We're born to connect, and as long as we live, we never stop needing connection. So if we think about this for a minute, at birth, we seek out attachment to others who can reliably protect us and respond to our survival needs. What is it that babies need? You know, like they need to yeah. eat. They need they to need be to eat and be protected. Right. And... Which is what we give them when we respond mm-hmm. to their needs and nurse them and right. nurture them. Like that's what that's what we're giving to them. Right. I think that can we pause for a second and you tell us the name of this person and the name of this book? Oh, yeah. I don't think we said that. Um, I did say the name, but I'll do it again. Okay. So it's the attachment effect. Mm-hmm. exploring the powerful ways our earliest bond shapes our relationships and lives. And the author is Peter Lovenheim. Peter Lovenheim. Yeah. Okay. So Bowlby, he mentions Bowlby in here and um, Bowlby's another one I think is fascinating. And he's kind of was for those, anybody who, you know, isn't aware of who he was um, kind of like the foundation of the whole attachment theory research and did research um you know like i think it was like after world war ii in orphanages and i don't know did you ever learn about this when you were in school yes yeah i figured well of course i figured but um which i and i think it's just amazing you know they they went to these orphanages and they were staffed and they had you know the neat the the Things that children would need or that babies would need as far as food, clothing, toiletries, you know, things like that. But those children did not thrive because they did not have that interaction, that attachment to any adult. And they- Yeah, the orphan and the, yeah, I mean, the, the, or, and I have work experience with this. Mm-hmm. I worked at a residential facility, which um, was... Uh, for teenage um, wards of the state with, you know, psychological and emotional behavioral issues that prevented them from living in foster homes or lesser restricted group homes. So they were with us to to receive treatment and to try to um, work their way into a less restricted um, living situation like a group home or a foster home preferably. Um, and I, you know, we saw the exact same thing. And the thing is, is that, you know, in these, in these facilities, the, the caretakers, the staff are constantly rotating. Mm, That's a good point. You know, it's the constant rate rotation daily. And then the over, and then there's a very high, um, what's that called? Turnover. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Very high turnover because the job is just stressful, especially at the place that we worked at. And so there's just not one person that that you're and and, and then we're talking about you the orphanages that you're talking about these are these are babies yeah right? yeah um, and so that's again that's where it starts um, and that's what you know a lot of of course a lot of how uh, how a lot of these kids came into the system is because there weren't there wasn't a caretaker there responding to them and providing them with that and then I saw the teenage 
effects of that. Right. And he was ta- and he talked about that. You know, he talked about how, you know, very early in those first two years, if you don't if you have neglect or, you know, if you experience neglect or abuse mm-hmm. um, and this was like on the drastic side of things, um, mm-hmm. those, I, you know, especially from your caretaker, like, how do you where do you go with that? You know, and then they end up being the 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 people that end up in society who are having difficulty forming relationships. Um, it's, exactly. It has the Maintaining base, long-term relationships. Um, mm-hmm. Criminal activity has been linked back to that. Aggressiveness has been linked back to that. Um, but even those who say that you are, you know, you're born into, you know, I don't even know what a normal family is nowadays, but you're born into a family, you know, parents partners um but the nurturing isn't necessarily there there's a lot of you know let them cry it out um we don't need to pick them up every time he cries we don't want him to become too dependent on us they get you know left in daycares you know what with the turnover rates things like that this is where you have people who are the attachment is it's not like not having any attachment at all, but they still are difficulty with relationships because they've never formed that trust. Well, and I think that's that's a really, you know, this is what we see. We see um, houses with all the stuff in it and there's adults around and there's money and there's resources. And it's like, OK, well, so you have all the opportunity that you need to be like a functioning adult, right? Right. Except that that's not what you need. Right. To be a functioning adult. You know, take all of that away. What you need is the caretaker who's responding to the baby. Exactly. Yeah. Yep. Whether there's a lot of money or a little bit of money or, you know, what I, whatever yeah. it actually outwardly looks like. But I think that we think like, well, you know, you, you know, we think like, well, you had all, you know, you have all of this, you know, so... Mm-hmm. that's what you need in order to to raise a child is you need you know a big house and money and then that's not it's not it what you need and he had mentioned and it, it made me think of all of our families and you hear it all the time and I hear it all the time and I'm sure like so many listeners hear this too where you'll get somebody that says well can't we just put the milk in the bottle I want to feed the baby and bond with the baby too because you're holding a bottle in the baby's mouth that does not mean you are interacting with the baby and bonding with the baby. And he said that, I mean, he didn't use the bottles as an example, but he used um, like, sure, you could have somebody home with a child, but that doesn't mean that there's interaction that they're responding to that baby's needs. Right. It could be, you know, maybe you're home with them, but you're on your phone, you're looking at your screen, whatever, you're doing other things. And that interaction, you're not responding to what the baby's needs are. Yeah. And don't freak out, everybody. It's totally okay to look at your phone. <laughs> it totally <laughs> it's is. It's totally yeah. okay to listen to podcasts yeah. and like do all of that. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about consistently. Consistent. We're talking about like, we're talking about like not responding to a baby's needs. Yeah. Like, you know, we're not talking about, you know, you're holding your baby and your baby's been on your boob for three hours and you just need to like, you want to look at your Facebook feed. Oh my God. That's not what no. we're talking about. We're-, we're talking about you're consistently not responding or interacting with a baby. Or people telling you, like we get this all the time. People that are telling you, you don't need to pick up your baby every time they make a fuss because they're fine. They need to figure it out. 
Or, you know, your baby does, you can't nurse your baby to sleep because then they'll get used to it and they'll expect you to be there for them. How many times do we hear that one? Yeah, all the time. Yeah. That is you responding to your baby's needs. That is you building a secure attachment so that your child can grow up and function in relationships later on in life. That is what Mm -hmm. that is. But society tells us, no, don't do that. And he was like talking about how much of that societal shift has happened and how if you go into colleges now, the anxiety rate in colleges with kids that are in college, the, the anxiety is huge because they don't know how to function. Yeah. And, and well, let's hear more about that um, after a word from our sponsor. Today's episode is brought to you by Ruminant Nursing Wear's Pump and Nurse Collection. Are you looking for a bra or tank top you can do both breastfeeding and hands-free pumping in? Don't want to completely disrobe to put on a different pumping top? Ruminant Nursing Wear's Pump and Nurse Collection has helped thousands and thousands of breastfeeders reach their breastfeeding goals by offering all-in-one products that breastfeeders can easily nurse and pump hands-free in. With their simple hands-free pumping design, Breastfeeders don't have to worry about disrobing completely or putting on additional pumping straps or tops. All of Rumina's products are comfortable to wear all day and supportive for busy, multitasking people like you. Badass breastfeeding listeners can receive an exclusive 20% off on Rumina's Pump and Nurse collection when you visit Rumina's website, pumpandnurse.com, and use code BB as in badass breastfeeder 19 that's bb19 at pumpandnurse.com and these sponsors and all of our promo codes and links to our sponsors can be found at badassbreastfeedingpodcast.com along with breastfeeding resources all of our other episodes and information about scheduling your very own lactation consultation with Diane so, yes, we're talking about going where you were left off with talking about going into colleges and seeing how um, anxious people are when they're first starting off into adulthood and they're not knowing and know, knowing how to kind of take care of themselves or how to be um, emotionally secure in relationships. And I mean, I just think overall we can see with everybody. I mean, we the the anxiety and depression rates in this country are just they're 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 like out of control. Oh, they're astronomical. There, there. It's yeah. unbelievable. And this is, yeah. And this stuff starts at home. Mm-hmm. The stuff starts at home when you have that baby. It's not, you know, it's not like, oh, I didn't, you know, I should have taught them. I should have been tougher on them. I should have taught, you know, my kid how to balance a checkbook. I should have, <laughs> you know, taught taught him how to, you know, how to deal with, you know, the bully. Like th- this is not any. This is not where it's. This is not the the where you form these this foundation and this roots are this is way before all of that. Yeah, this you is You know, this comes like immediately. This is the very first thing that your that your baby is learning. That eye contact other when they yeah. make with you know, when they're born and we think, okay, they're babies, we just don't think too much about like they can't understand what I'm saying or they don't the the eye contact, the interaction, picking them up when they cry, nurturing them, holding them, you know, soothing them, that literally forms their brain. And this is so important to to their baseline for the rest of their life. 
I mean, it's- absolutely. And relationships are everything. I mean, this is like, you know, we well, we want them to be independent and not dependent on other people. Except that's not how life works. No, no. We are human beings. We are not tigers. We are human beings and we are social creatures. Take a look at the big cities. We're not trying to move away from each other. Oh, my God. We're all following each other. We're all dependent on each other. Relationships are what make us human. Yeah. And when we're not, when we're, our, our babies are not, when the needs are not met as our baby, you know, as when we're babies and we don't form that understanding of how to interact with other people, I mean, we just don't know how to do it. No. Ever. I mean, you can, you know. I mean, I, you know, I don't know how personal to get. I don't think my parents listen to this podcast. But I mean, I think that I was in one of those houses where it was like, oh, this baby's totally taken care of. You know, they've got food. They got a big house. They've got both of the parents are here. Everything's taken care of. Oh, I was too, for sure. But, you know, yeah. But I mean, my, there wasn't a whole lot of um, responding to my emotional needs. Right. No. Ever, really. Yeah. And I, there's lots of therapists who have, you know, who are still in jobs because of me. Yeah. I know there's at least one therapist, you know, out there need one at all times <laughs> or at least always be one. That's, you know, got a job because of me, you know, and I it, it was kind of it was almost difficult to sit through his talk because, you know, I could place myself yeah, where I knew he was, you know, exactly what he was talking about when you, you know, when he was talking about like, you know, kids growing up and, you know, lacking that emotional nurturing and it was just, you know, I absolutely the same thing. It was not. And I think it was probably part of it might have been that timing that we were born into, that it was like that era where like, you know, career minded mothers then and breastfeeding wasn't that big a deal. And it was just my family was not yeah. lovey dovey at all. There was no. not a lot of nurturing there at all. And it just is and not I- how it was. And I have a horrible right. time with relationships and trust. Like that's I had know. a horrible time with anxiety. Yeah. And anxiety. And like too. I can go through and yeah, and now at forty three years old, I can I can listen to my therapist and I can talk about these things and I can go, Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, I'm, understanding it helps, you know, obviously to kind of manage it. But um Yeah, I forgot what I was gonna say. <laughs> As yeah. usual. That's my favorite thing to do on the podcast is get ready to say something really emotional and big and then be like, huh? I don't remember. It left my brain. Yeah, It'll come back to you for sure. It will. Yeah. And that's why a lot of times when, when people say, you know, oh, it doesn't, it's fine if you don't breastfeed. And it's, that is, it's a personal choice and people can choose not to. But I don't like, what bothers me a lot is when medical professionals and other people say you don't need to breastfeed it's fine it doesn't matter you weren't breastfed and you're fine or I wasn't breastfed and I'm fine and it's like but it's not only about the food it's not only right food right and I think if you're not breastfeeding again that's your personal choice and I don't have any I don't have I'm a neutral to that because I feel like it's just this is our bodies and we can do whatever we want with our bodies Mm -hmm. Um, and, but, but, you know, so if you choose not to breastfeed, that's fine. And, 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 but then no, you know, then you're going to know as well that you can, you know, that you learn how to, um, bottle feed 
in a way that's like, you know, breastfeeding where you're skin to skin Mm -hmm. and, you know, you're making that eye contact or you're, you know, you can do these things. You know, you just, it's just about being mindful about like meeting those needs of the baby. Right. Absolutely. You could baby wear, like all of those things. Like there's tons of ways to continue a nurturing relationship. But you know, breastfeeding is just. But breastfeeding is so much. It's like it's like it's like you're not. You're saying like um, um, you know. I mean, babies are born to breastfeed, right? Mm-hmm. And it's like it's like this. It's just like it was designed. It's more than food, and it was just designed to kind of like meet all of those things, all those requirements. You know, like okay, this one act. Like, it's incredible. Yeah. With this one act, you are feeding your baby, you're providing them with skin to skin, you're providing them with eye contact. You know, you're doing all of these things that are so much more than just feeding your baby. I mean, you're feeding their brain, you're feeding their whole entire future. Right. Psychologically, it's, you are it's incredible. molding it's their just, brain. Yeah. And it's like, you even get to do it like sleeping. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's just, like, cool. That it, even when you're lazy, you can do it. If you really... Like, I, I don't feel like getting up. I I'll just lay here with my baby. Well, that's actually <laughs> perfect. That's actually what you should be yeah. doing. You know, you really are, like, the power that you have, right? You're like, the, it is an amazing thing when you think about it that our society does not value. And he was saying, too, and I was really kind of excited to hear him say this, that... um we're in this place right now in society where people tend to value their careers more. And that's, you know, that again, that's a personal choice, but that kind of, it's almost devaluing parenting, you know, and it is a really hard place to be because you, you want to work your job. You love your career. A lot of people feel like that. They don't want to not do it. But at the same time, you can't be that nurturing parent if you're out of the house, you know, what, however many times. But the way society has us set up, you have to go to work if you want your health care. You have to go to work if you, you know, like, and that's, it's awful that we are given that, we're put in that place. It's not fair. It's ridiculous. It's, yeah, I mean, it is a total disrespect and lack of support for like the most important thing for the for like the entire mental health of the entire country you know but i do think i don't know how you feel about this but i do think that there is like a bit of a shift happening like i think that this attachment stuff is people are starting to learn about it more i think so and like workplaces are not at all where they need to be but they are starting to become more like supportive of of breastfeeding and, you know, trying to make that, you know, trying to make it so that, um, you know, a, a parent can do, um, you know, can be there and provide, you know, what they need to do as a parent. I'm not talking about all companies because certainly that's not the case, but I think there are a lot of, I hear a lot from people that they are like able to bring their baby to work for lunch. You know, they can mm-hmm. breastfeed their baby, uh, they provide a space for them. Um, to do that or flex hours or things like that. I mean, I think that I think that there's I hope that there's a shift that's going. And of course, the pendulum always swings. Right. Right. But I mean, I hope that hopefully we can swing into a direction where, you know, we're starting to learn more about how damaging it is to not respond to a baby 
um, consistently. You know, again, there's these things I, I like to remind people to like, if you're having a, if you're having, cause it's too much stress, right? <sighs> like if you're having a moment and you are, um, and you are like about to lose your mind and you need to put your crying baby down and leave the room, like that's a move that you're doing to be safe. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's cool. That's not cry it out. No. That's not ignoring your baby. That's not what that is. That's like you dealing with that moment to be safe. Right. You know, not responding to your baby is like consistently, literally not responding to your baby. Right. Like letting them cry just for hours. Avoiding eye contact. Like, that's actually a thing. Not interacting. Like, if you... Yeah. Yes. Like, that's a thing. You know, like, oh, the baby's trying to go to sleep. Don't look at him. Mm-hmm. You know, like, that's, that's like a, a piece of advice to like... When a baby wakes up, if you want me to go back to sleep, like, don't look at them, don't interact with them. Um, and, you know, so, so, um, I, yeah, so I think I hope I hope that there's like a shift um, towards learning more about this and people becoming more aware of how important it is to to respond. Right. And a baby cries. You feel horrible for a reason. Like you feel that you know when a baby's crying, and you're like, oh my god, right? I, I can't. Like you feel to my baby that way for it's yeah. like literally there's a reason for that feeling. Yeah, it's your body is just wired to want to go and comfort the baby so that they'll stop crying <laughs> because you want to fulfill their needs. Yes. We want to give our children everything. You know, like that's that's what we want. We we grow them, we birth them, we want to fulfill their needs. We want to keep them happy and safe. That's what every mother wants for their baby. Mm-hmm. But when we get advice, like I had a mom less it was probably what seven seven months ago or so. I just saw her recently in the baby seven months. And she had told me when the baby was newborn, the pediatrician told me not to pick him up every time he cries and that I can't hold him like all the time she goes and I feel bad because he's kind of like I'll feed him and then put him down and he's kind of fussing but she told me not to pick him back up again and I was like oh my gosh pick up the baby like that is horrible advice you know it's the simplest thing to do too right whatever is the whatever is the easiest thing to do is usually the right answer you know the easiest thing to do is to just pick up the baby and pop him on the boob yeah and that is the right answer. I don't care what's happening. I don't care what, well, unless, you know, unless they're crying for some other reason, like they're pooping their diaper or something like that. <laughs> then deal with it and then pop them on the boob. Like that's going to solve 99% of their problems. Yeah. And, you know, our, you know, time after time, I hear people say, Oh, but if I put him on, like, it's not just using me as a pacifier, right? Or I don't want him to, is it bad if he's just like, there or is it you know what will happen if he doesn't really need to eat and i put him on like nothing is going to happen it's fine nothing is going to happen it is it is not wrong to respond to your baby and nurture them no and it's impossible to spoil them they, we have a whole episode about spoiling oh babies like you cannot it's impossible to spoil a baby it is impossible to respond too much to a baby they're not manipulating you. They don't know how. No. The way people learn how to manipulate is because their needs consistently do not get met. And we're survivors, humans are. And so we learn how to manipulate our needs into getting met, to being met. And that happens when your caretaker is not meeting your needs. Mm-hmm. If, you're, if you're consistently meeting your children's needs, they won't have to learn that. 
I heard a pediatrician say recently to a mother, after three or four months, that's when they'd start to learn that, you know, crying is going to get them what they want. And it's like three or four months. That's disgusting. It is disgusting. But I don't understand. Why why do we, why are we trying to teach our children at the age of, you know, four months to fend for themselves? I don't, I think I say that in like every podcast and I just, it drives me crazy. I can't understand it. No. And there's all of this. I mean, there was this big movement to create all of this separation between Mm -hmm. parents and babies. I mean, pacifiers pacifiers are just like fake boobs to put in your baby's mouth to like is you know to 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 pacify them you know to just like so you can walk away and like so that they don't they won't cry for your boob and that's i'm totally fine with pacifiers i wish there are many times i wished my children would take them yeah um but i mean it's just that move right to move to literally create space in between you and your baby and all the other contraptions that we have that have become multi-billion dollar industry of baby products that are mostly just so that you're here and your baby's over there. Yeah. And I've used them all. Again, I'm not judging. I've used them all. But to consistently just create all of this distance has its effects. And the just to think, like when people say the baby is using you as a pacifier, <laughs> That is really just saying your baby does not consider you of anything of value and is using you. Your baby is using you. Like what? That's awful to say to somebody. And then I have mothers say, baby's using me as a pacifier. I'm just their pacifier. Right. Like No, the pacifier was created to mimic the breast. It's not the other way around. It's just unbelievable. Right. You're not a pacifier. You're absolutely life-giving necessity for your baby. Right. Not a pacifier. No. Like I said, like, I have no problem with them either. There's My kids never took them either, to be honest with you. But And I don't have a problem with them. What I do have a problem with is when people think that their baby only wants to be attached to them because they want right. a piece of plastic. Right. It's like right. your baby wants to be attached to you because they have no idea that they're not attached to you. That is why they want to be attached to you all the time. And it's overwhelming. But when we can start to change the process more and the thinking more when women are pregnant to teaching them, this is what is going to be. Then maybe. And why? And why? You know what I mean? Like, this is how it's going to be. And this is why it's going to be like that. Yep. You know, then I think I think you're totally right. Like this is if you teach people if we have to have this, um, there needs to be this shift in how we think about babies. And I think if we can shift our thinking to like their, you know, their their overwhelming, like needy nuisances <laughs> to like everything that they're asking for and doing is totally normal because I think that's true too. People are like, Oh my God, my baby wants to nurse all the time. What's wrong? Yeah. My baby wants to nurse all night, wa- nurse all night. What's wrong? Nothing is wrong. This is normal. I don't care what your mother-in-law is saying. Your baby is totally normal and you are doing the right thing. Right. End of story. End of story. Follow that instinct. Yep. Uh, so never feel guilty about um, meeting your baby's needs and they cannot be spoiled ever, ever. 
Absolutely not. And the dog agrees. Oh, gosh. Yes, everybody, that's my dog. He agrees. <laughs> Kane made it onto yet another podcast. It's very, very happy. Tom will be very happy about that. Yes. Um, so I think, yeah, I think that's it. Like, we've gone on. That's our soapbox about attachment. Yep. I'm thank you sure. for listening. Yes, thank you for listening. And I'm sure we will talk more about this because it, it seriously is like my it's really a thing for me right now. Yeah. Send I, us send us um to the badass breastfeeding podcast at gmail.com. Send us your stories or your what you've heard, what you think about, you know, kind of this discussion. We'd love to hear from you. Maybe oh, yeah. we'll do another episode. We could do another episode and read people's um responses. Oh my god, I would love it. I would love it. So yeah, get on there and, and send them in to us. We'd love to hear it. Bye. Bye.